With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, Steelers had off on Tuesday, so no practice, but... There was a bunch of news that ties in my beat of the University of Pittsburgh's football team because on Monday there was a video that leaked of Pat Narduzzi coming after Matt Canada a little bit, basically saying in a coaches clinic it was a coaches clinic video that was from 2019 that surfaced via the SEC podcast. Um, they re- they released a, uh, a video that showed him basically sort of making fun of Matt Canada, who's now the Steelers quarterback coach. In those comments, uh, he, you know, Pat Narduzzi said, you know, tries to say, you know, people should be more patient when, when looking, for, looking for a job. He says that uh, Narduzzi, or not, I'm sorry, he says Matt Canada, uh, you know, he offered, he got him, he got him a million dollar offer and that he didn't take it. And he says that, you know, really that Matt Canada wasn't even good enough for that million. And, uh, and he said it was stupid for him to go. And then he sort of made light of the fact that he's had he had three jobs in three years after going to LSU, then going to Maryland, and then not coaching in 2019 before ending up with the Steelers. You saw all this frenzy, Dale. What was your what was your thoughts before I get into mine? You know, I, I, my first thought was, well, that's going to be interesting the first time those two guys run across each other at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex because that will happen. They will see each other there. Um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out I guess mm-hmm. and maybe they'll both maybe I'm sure they both talked about it at this point uh you know and said hey look I wasn't you know I'm sure Narduzzi called and said hey I wasn't I didn't mean anything by that I was just kind of talking out my behind um you know about telling young coaches to to uh to uh you know be again be patient when they're looking for jobs at the same time he said some stuff he didn't need to say there yeah um you know you don't need to say that 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 uh, Matt Canada wasn't worth that uh, you know, he wasn't that good anyways. That, 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 that didn't need to be said, and it certainly wasn't true of, of what Matt Canada did at Pitt. Absolutely. And here's the thing is that, uh, you know, I wrote an article about this that, that yes, yeah, that, you know, it's, it's our number one Pitt story right now. Um, if you look at Matt Canada's impact on that offense, in 2016, the one year he coached them, they scored, they averaged 40.9 points per game. That's second best in the ACC and was a little bit better than Clemson's offense that had Deshaun Watson leading it that would go on to win the national championship that season. In the three years that followed, they ranked anywhere from 12th to 13th, which is second to last and and next to – or third to last and second to last – next to last um, when it comes to the ACC. Their offense has been an abomination since Matt Canada left. So for Narduzzi to come out and say he wasn't that good, 
I find it just disingenuous. I find, you know, he might have been feeling, you know, a little, he might still have regrets. And this is what I wrote in the article. He might have regrets because he knows that if Matt, or he feels that if Matt Canada was still around, maybe some of those eight win teams would have been nine and 10 win teams at Pitt. Maybe his offense could have been better with Kenny Pickett in it. But at the end of the day, you still don't make those comments that can be plastered everywhere as you're attacking your former offensive coordinator, who, as you mentioned, is about to share a facility with the man as the Steelers and the, and the Panthers both practice at, at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. Well, at the, at the time he made the comments, he didn't know that Canada was going to be working Very next good door. point. Uh, you know, so <laughs> it, it just goes to show, be careful, uh, be careful what you say because it might come back and bite you on the behind. And this one certainly has with Pat Narduzzi, who, shall we say, you know, he needs to lighten up a little bit. Lighten up, Francis. You're not that good. You haven't been that good. Right. Uh, you're coaching, and I can say this because I went to Pitt. I graduate, I'm, a, I'm a Pitt graduate. You're coaching a mid-level Division I program. Uh, you're not a, an elite program. You're not anywhere near getting to that elite status. Uh, you really need to, uh, to loosen up a little bit, Coach. And uh, it's just that that was a huge, huge mistake. It makes him look like a very petty man. It, it really and it really comes off though. And you're right, Pat Narduzzi. You know, he was a defensive coordinator at Michigan State. He came over came over to Pitt. And imagine imagine if, if the Michigan State coach was saying that about Pat Narduzzi. I told him, you know, he wasn't very good when he was here. Uh, you know, I told him not to take that Pitt job. I mean, put put the shoe on the other foot, Pat. No, I, I agree. I just think that you got to be more sensible. I, I, I liken this to, uh, to, you know, whoever the Browns coach was that they just fired when he wore the Pittsburgh started it shirt out in public and then was, was pictured Freddie with it. Kitchens, it's like, by the way. Uh, exactly. Freddie Kitchens. I couldn't even think because there's too many Browns coaches. I'm, I'm done. I'm done trying to keep up with them. Otherwise you know, known as Goober. Yeah, Goober. But, but that's a Goober kind of moment when he wore the Pittsburgh started shirt and then was allowing himself to be photographed with it. It's like, dude, you're a, a head coach of an NFL football team, just like Pat Narduzzi is head coach of an ACC football program. You are always being watched. You are always, when you're in public, when you're representing your, you, you know, when you're out anywhere, you're representing your program. Everyone knows that you have that celebrity status. You, you can, I understand if you feel that way. And if you want to make that comment when you're out in the deck with your family or with your friends and everyone's drinking and it's a private thing where you're just with, you know, when you have that protection, go ahead, fine, feel that way, think that way. But don't make that stop statement at a coaching clinic where anybody can take a video and share that amongst the world as what just happened. It just, it, it reeks of just not understanding that 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 under that you know, that situation and also not having the decorum to to stay away from that statement uh and it just it makes and it just it brings a blemish to 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 hit to his character and to uh um and to the and to the the, the, pit, the pit program yeah i agree just not a good look for pat narduzzi who uh well has been pretty good at not having good looks at things he's he's uh you know you need to win some more games coach before you get a chance to talk like that I agree. I think he needs, he needs to like if he if Pitt was had risen from being a mid tier program to being one of the best in the country. Different story, you know. He might get those afforded those things. Nick Saban says Steve things. Spurrier. You can talk smack when you're Steve Spurrier. Exactly. Back in the day, when you're Pat Narduzzi and you're winning seven or eight games a year, you're not afforded that opportunity. It just doesn't work that way. Right. You know. You, you know. There's 
there, there, there's, there's, there's no room for that. You know, Nick Saban can get away with those kind of statements and, you know, and he'll catch some flack for it, but it doesn't, it's still like, Hey, he's Nick Saban. He runs, he runs that, he runs that. And he's, you know, he's got one of the best programs in the country, but when you're Pat Narduzzi, you know, you still, right now, you still got to watch yourself. And I just, I just think that it's a, it's a bad look for him. It's a bad look for Pitt for the moment. Uh, but I, you know, one thing that, that he sort of said when he, in his zoom availability was that, him and Matt will be fine. They're still friends, all that jazz. You know, they'll, I don't know about you. You've been, they you've were talk- still friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They haven't I'll, seen that video yet. <laughs> right. And, and that, see, that's what I'm thinking is how, how will a coach feel? You know, Dale, you've been around. You've seen plenty of coaches go in and out of the Steelers. You've followed football for a long time. You know, Narduzzi makes it seem like, hey, we don't take this kind of stuff personally in this industry. But I, I just, I think that's, that's a little, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I believe that all the way, if everybody just, I brush off comments like that all the time. I will say this, and I, I've, to, I've been told this by a very good source uh, who, who is, you know, it knows the, the PIP program very well. Pat Narduzzi is not an easy man to work for. Pat mm-hmm. Narduzzi is very demanding of his assistant coaches, which is fine. Uh, but I think, you know, when you take it to the level that uh, Pat Narduzzi does, it's no surprise that he's been churning through assistant coaches uh, the way he has in his tenure at Pitt. Let's just leave it at that. Very interesting comments there, Dale. Uh, I, I will, we will leave it at that um, because that's a, those are, that's a very interesting insight from you who's, you know, again, you've covered the Steelers. They've, the Steelers training the same facility as Pitt, so you've, you've been able to kind of keep your eye on over there. Very interesting stuff there from you. I, this is uh, this is week three for me. I'm still learning the beat myself here. So uh, thank you for your insight on that, Dale. We'll be monitoring that situation, see if there's anything that comes from it. I, I do I do think that both parties will try to keep this down from the public. They might have some words behind the scenes, but that's up to them. We're, we're going to take a quick break and have some words behind the scene about us because I'm about to destroy Dale and fantasy football this week, uh, this, 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 this first week's week one matchup. But – we come back. We got more to act to talk about things with the Steelers roster right after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Now, in AFC North news, the Bengals delivered on, a, on an extension to Joe Mixon. I believe it was a four-year, $48 million extension um, that, that keeps him on the team. I believe he was in the process of holding out or at least saying that he would hold out. Yeah, um, so he had a headache. He had, oh, yeah, 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 quote-unquote headache, I'm sure. And I'm sure this money made, made all those pains go away. Uh, but the point is, is that the Bengals just paid big money to a running back. 
in a time when we've been seeing a lot of teams only do that if you're like the Ezekiel Elliott of the world, you know, or if you're you're the upper echelon of the upper upper echelon. But you know, like we just Dale, we just went and saw what the Steelers went through with Le'Veon Bell. It is is it a little weird that the Bengals just just caved on Joe Mixon like this? No, because he deserves it. He is in the upper echelon of running backs in the league. Um, you know, they just haven't had much of a team around him. Um, this is that, that 2017 draft class, that running back draft class yeah. uh, that, you know, you're seeing Alvin Kamara, uh, news, news around him that, you know, he may be sitting out some practices because he's uh, unhappy with his contract situation. Same with Dalvin Cook that, uh, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's having a sit-in. Uh, they couldn't hold out this year because you're going to get if you skip training camp and you had a uh, have a contract, it's a forty thousand dollar a day fine, and teams can't waive that thing. That's what used to happen. Uh, guys would hold out in training camp, wanting a new contract, and they were getting fined every day. But then when they signed a new deal, the team would waive the fine. It made it mandatory this year that that can't happen. You uh, with part of the as part of the new CBA. So if you're getting fined forty thousand dollars a day. You're going to be there because they can't waive it. So what was happening and what happened with Alvin Cook, what happened with Joe Mixon, what's happening with Alvin Kamara is that these guys were, were showing up for work, but they're saying, oh, I got a headache or, uh, you know, my knee doesn't feel well today, so I'm not going to practice. Um, but you're not, you know, if you're under contract, you're under contract. Uh, the Bengals has uh, ponied up here. They, they got Mixon under contract, which is good. He's one of their stars. Uh, you know, they rely on him and they really need him to help carry the load this year with a rookie quarterback. I think it was a, a, a good move by the Bengals. Um, you know, you could say, well, they overpaid for him, but four years, $48 million. They had the cap space. They had, they were, they had the second or third most cap space uh, next year going into the, in the next season. Um, and, you know, for the Bengals, lowering uh, outside free agents into that f- uh, franchise is just not something that happens all the time. So they kept one of their own, good for them. Uh, you know, I, I hear you there, and I did. I did think that on the plus side of this is one. You know, you've got a quarterback that's going to be your starter for the next four or five years. It's going to be under rookie deal numbers and not super buku. And you give him a crutch. I mean, what what right. better way to help your rookie quarterback than to have you know a a, a guy who's going to carry the ball two hundred and seventy five three hundred times? And, and see, I I get that. I just I don't know. Like I think Joe Mixon is is definitely a talent. But the way that I've seen running backs go, I've just kind of felt like maybe they could draft a guy in the very near future who would say, hey, come in and you're going to be the guy with Joe Mixon or with uh, with Joe Burrow. I just, you know, I, I look get at you through this season, though, Chris. And, and as much as we like to say that and, and, and say that it doesn't matter to guys, mm-hmm. well, he's under contract and, and he'll play this year. Not everybody's going to do that. I mean, the, the Steelers have been fortunate this year. Uh, you know, James Connors, I'm not worried about my, my contract status. That will take care of itself. Now, again, everybody says that kind of thing, but whether they do it or not is, is something completely different. Very true. Uh, some guys will go out there and put it all on the line and try to get that next big contract. This is all about the running back position. The running back position in, in itself, um, you know, if you're not drafted in the first round as a running back, you are screwed. Because you're not going to get paid in those first uh, four years. Teams are going to take advantage of that. And then when it comes time to pay you, uh, a lot of times they're not going to. Uh, we just saw Leonard Fournette get cut. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think, you know, we saw that's, that, that was really the situation with Le'Veon Bell. I didn't blame Le'Veon Bell for that at all. 
You know, for, he, I didn't was, he was the best running back in football for four years. The Steelers got a bargain there. Now, that's not their fault. It was the rules, the way the rules are set up. But at some point, you're going to have to pay that guy. And if you think he can continue to play at that level, then you pay him. The Steelers tried to do that with Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, the Bengals have done that with, with Joe Mixon. They got Joe Mixon cheaper than what the Steelers would have gotten uh, Le'Veon Bell. So, you know, it, it, it's all relative. You got to pay somebody on your team. In this case, the Bengals are paying Joe Mixon. And I'm not going to rip him for that. I think it was a good move for them. What, what I'm very interested in seeing is the, the, the guaranteed money and when it, come, when it kicks in for Joe Mixon. Uh, when, when I when, you know, seeing those details, because that's, that was also part of Le'Veon's uh, dispute, supposedly, was that he wanted more you know, a guaranteed money thrown into his contract that would protect him in the later years, you know, and, 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 and I get that. And I'm like, right. I, I didn't, I didn't besmirch, besmirch Le'Veon Bell when he was holding out and you know, how he, you know, his, him just trying to get, get paid, how the best so he could pay. I mean, and I don't think you know, Joe Mixon was in the wrong. I, I was just a little surprised because I just thought with the conversation of how running backs have been across the NFL, that with running backs, I thought, Hey, people were going to be like, you know what, you know, Le- Le'Veon, the Steelers didn't cave on Le'Veon. We're not going to cave on you. Um, but you're right. There's different circumstances around. You know, the Steelers had a, had an established franchise quarterback, and at the time they had the best receiver in football. Um, and those and, guys were getting paid, so that you know that was yeah. all part of it. You know, the, again, the Bengals have to pay somebody. They have to spend the the the, the floor of the cap, and why not invest in a, in a good young running back who can help your your quarterback, uh, you know, gain his confidence over the next couple of years. No, no, I, I get that. You make, a, you make a good argument there. I just – I do wonder how this is going to play out over the next few years. But like you said, this is a guy that, they, that Joe Burrow can at least hand the ball off to and know he's at least going to be a really good athlete. Really interested to see what they do on that with that offensive line and what kind of plays they create there. Um, but let, let's also talk about Alvin Kamara. The Saints are talking about how he's going to get traded. What do you think about – They're not trading Alvin Kamara. It's you don't think happening. he's going anywhere? No, that that's just the, that's posturing by the team. Um, you know they're they're not going to trade Alvin Kamara. It, it uh, just seems wild. That's floating information out there. You get, sometimes you have to look at who the information comes from, where it's coming from. In this case, it was uh, Josina Anderson. I don't trust her for a heartbeat or for a mm. minute. Uh, she has been a mouthpiece for more than one uh, uh, person or team in the past. Um, she just, you know, and I don't blame her. She reports what she hears, mm-hmm. but sometimes you have to take that stuff with a grain of salt, uh, depending on who you're hearing it from. And in this case, I think it's the saints just trying to float the idea out there. Hey, Joe, we'll, we're, we're, uh, um, Hey Alvin, we'll play without you. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, you get your butt in here and, and, and go, or we're going to trade you to Jacksonville. Uh, you know, that kind of thing, oh, because they're built to win now. Uh, they the are. saints are absolutely built to win now. And, and, trading away Alvin Kamara does not help them do that. Yeah, and I compared this when I, look, I looked up, pull up the notes, and I compared this to, like, Leonard Fournette. And, you know, because everyone – like, we, we talked about this yesterday on the show, how Steelers fans were – you know, there were Steelers fans clamoring for Leonard Fournette and for what he did. Kamara averages a full yard more per carry than Fournette and brings a ton of receiving yards. You know, you know I think if you combine what Leonard Fournette – and, Jenner, and James Conner did receiving, it's, it's not it's – not, I think it's like several hundred yards short of what Kamara's put together. And, and, and they've and – again, that's all that 2017 draft class. So, you know, I, I look at that and I thought, like, man, if, if this is real, I, I, you know, the Saints, I have to imagine, would need something 
uh, you know, of considerable value because like you said, this is a win now year. They've been on the precipice for the past few years. They were the NFC championship game two years ago. They lost to the Vikings last year. Um, you know, it's, it's been, it, it's been a while. And Alvin Kamara is one of their biggest offensive pieces right there with Michael Thomas and Drew Brees. I just, I look at this and I'm thinking like they, they, they've got to find a way to work this out. So interesting perspective from your part there. Um, do you still, you see every him coming in and everything being fine and the saints being one of the best offenses in the league this year? Yeah. I mean, they're a good football team. In fact, I would, I would pick them to go to the uh, Super Bowl out of the NFC. See, I've done that like twice now and I keep getting burned in the playoffs because they keep falling up short. Yeah, but they're still a good football team. You know? No, I agree entirely. Dale, thank you so much. That was, this has been a fun show. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, y'all got me started. So that means it's time for Don't Get Me Started right after this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started about this new top 100 NFL players list released by ESPN. Now, I get it. I get it. Five Steelers were on the list. You ain't mad about that. But what I am mad about is when they ranked among these players the top 10 NFL defensive players in the league right now. They listed 10. And the list reads as follows. As number two overall in the NFL, Aaron Donald. Number seven, Stephon Gilmore, cornerback for the Patriots. Number 12, edge rusher, Miles Garrett from the Browns. Number 15, edge rusher, Nick Bosa from the Niners. Number 18, Edge rusher, Joey Bosa from the Chargers. Number 19, Jamal Adams, safety from the Seahawks. Number 21, edge rusher, Khalil Mack from the Bears. Number 25, edge rusher, Chandler Jones from the Cardinals. Number 26, Tredavious White, cornerback from the Bills. Number 27, Bobby Wagner, linebacker for the Seahawks. So you're telling me that the guy, T.J. Watt, who was... In the, among the runner-ups for NFL Defensive Player of the Year last year, isn't one of your top 10 defensive players this season? Excuse me? What? That doesn't make any sense. Let, let, let's back up on the list. Listen, I get Donald. Check. I, I think he made, you could say he's arguably the best player in all the NFL. That's fine. I get Gilmore. Check. He, he's a shutdown cornerback. He's the reigning defensive MVP. Fine. Miles Garrett? I mean, maybe his ceiling's higher than Watts. Maybe when he puts it all together. But I don't think he's had a, se- a season yet where he's had more sacks than T.J. Watt. Huh? And then you look at the fact that, you know, you still got to deal with the fact that he might bring the, uh, uh, swing a helmet at somebody's head in a game where his team is winning and then take himself out for the rest of the season. I'm sorry, but... That affects your availability. Nick Bosa, I mean, sure, he was Defensive Rookie of the Year. 
I get it. His team just went to the Super Bowl. There's hype there. I think T.J. Watt's more complete right now, but that's fine. Joey Bosa? No. No, I don't see that. Jamal Adams, get the heck out of here. No. Uh-uh. Not over T.J. Watt. Not over a guy who had 14 and a half sacks, two interceptions, was forcing fumbles like crazy, and revolutionized you know the Steelers' defense. Nope. Not hearing it. Not, not Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is a bad man. That's no slight on him. But not over T.J. Watt. The dude was creating plays left left and right. Looks unstoppable. Uh-uh. Not trying to hit it. Not trying to hear that. Get out of my face. Khalil Mack? I mean, a year or two ago, yes. This past year, eh, he kind of fell off a little bit. But, you know, but, but, but okay. You know, pedigree and reputation, fine. We'll live with that. Chandler Jones? Okay, he had more sacks than T.J. Watt last year. I get that. And Chandler Jones is a bad man. I, I will give you that one. Javius White, I mean, tit for tat, you could go back and forth with. I'll flip a coin, I'd be happy on the other side. Bobby Wagner, I'm okay with The point here is, you could have listed T.J. Watt among these guys. 27? Get the heck out of here. That's ridiculous. You mean to tell me he's not a top 10 defensive player? And not a, not a single stealer makes your top, your top 10 defensive players. I'm not saying top 10 overall players, because... They, you know, they, again, they, 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 that ranked at the 27. I'm saying among the top 10 defensive players in the NFL. Let's keep going after 27. Let's let's see who they list here. 28, Derrick Henry, running back for the Titans. 29, Chris Jones, defensive tackle for the Chiefs. So he's also not the 11th best player. He's also not the 12th best because here's Cameron Jordan, number 30, at the you know you know at, with with the Saints. And there's T.J. Watt, number 31, outside. Outside the top 30 of all players in the NFL, outside of the top 12 defensive players in the NFL, this is that just doesn't make sense. Last year he was ranked 83rd. I get last year not believing, not you know, not sure about the hype. I'm not not believing the hype is one thing, but not being like, okay, he had a good year. Let's see how he does after that. He he blew it up. He was truly unstoppable. And again. The this is with an offense that never really gave the defense a chance to pin their ears back and say, let's go get the quarterback. That ever forced a mediocre young quarterback, like some of the ones they faced, to say, oh crap, we're down 14 points. Guys, we got to kick it into high gear. And that that's where you see a lot of teams really light their sacks up. That sounded weird. We're, sti we're sticking with it. I'm rolling with it. Hey, if you want to cut that up and, and use that, that's fine. But the point here is teams get to pad their sack count often when they get when they get up and up in the score. And other teams are pressured. And the Steelers didn't even have that. TJ Watt, not a top 10 defensive player in the league. Come on, man. Madden rated him at 86. And, and Madden, I get. You know, Madden's weird. And Madden is falling off a cliff. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Madden. You know, I'm going to save a whole extra day for the decline of Madden. Over, you know, just to, that, that, that'll be a separate rant. But looking at this list, it's, it's crazy. We go down the list. It said there were five Steelers that made it. The next Steeler that comes in is Minka Fitzpatrick at 42. Now, I, I'm no crazy person here, but... Minka flipped the defense that couldn't defend the pass and flipped them into one of the best passing defenses in the NFL. 
You saw him get shredded with Cam Kelly at safety. You saw him get shredded. Not shredded. They had a hard time dealing with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. But arguably, those are two of the best quarterbacks that we've seen of the past 15 years. That's fine. And then, uh, you know, and then Mika Fitzpatrick comes in and they almost beat the eventual NFC champions with Mason Rudolph at the helm, who completes two passes beyond one one yard of, uh, of the line of scrimmage. And then all of a sudden, the Steelers' defense is a force to be reckoned with, and, you know, everyone's looking at them, and maybe they're the best defense in the NFL. And Mika Fitzpatrick, your 42, under players like Odell Beckham Jr., Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. No, I'm sorry, just no. He, he, the, the flip that he gave to the Steelers' defense is, is undeniable in my books. It's just, it's just, it's just too much for me. And, and then the respect that he commanded with not even having an offseason to prepare to learn the defense. Joe Hayden was talking like that dude, it makes me better. Joe Hayden, a several times pro bowler, a leader in the locker room, a guy that was also helping turn the tide of what the Steelers secondary was like. He points to Minka Fitzpatrick, but not this list. It's 42, and, eh, you know, he's, he's good, but I don't know. It's wild to me, man. It re- it really is. Um, and I, I, I get TJ Watts one thing. Cameron Hayward ranked seventy third. It's just <laughs> I, I continue to, to laugh at this. Um, no, but you know, but hey, I, I get it. At least at least Ben Roethlisberger made the list because he was he was he was seventy eight. Um, but TJ Watt not getting the respect here. But here, here's what I love about T.J. Watt. I don't think he cares. Like, he sees this stuff. He hears this stuff. He's locked in. Did you read Tom Reed's article about he, how he grew up? If if, if T.J. Watt settled uh, for... Uh, if T.J. Watt settled for, for what people told him of himself, he wouldn't be where he is. He was drafted towards the end of the first round in his draft in 2017. And he's worked himself to show that, hey, you know, if there was a redraft right now, he'd go top five. Absolutely. 100%. So, I, you know, and, and what's, what, what, uh, what Dale tells me about training camp right now and how every single practice you see T.J. Watt firing off, killing everything in front of him. You got to love that. You got to see that that dude is ready to go and ready to ball. And he's going to crush people for you. And he's going to, he's, he's improving his techniques. He's getting stronger. He's getting faster. And he's only in his mid twenties. Like I'm excited to see this dude when he's 30, when you're in the, when you're in like the, like the prime of your prime, you got all your skills, you got all your strength, all your explosiveness and you're crushing people. I love it. And Hey, it's, uh, (laughs) It's. It, it, I think this is just more fuel to the fire. And also, Juju Smith-Schuster made the top 100 as the one the 100. So, at least there's that. They did include some Steelers up in there. That's fine. But still, T.J. Watt, 30, 13th best defensive player. Not hearing it. Not in my house. Not on this show. Dale and I will, will rail against that forever. And, and as this season rolls on, when 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 you when you see TJ Watt rack up them sacks, tweet at me. Let me know. At Carter Critiques. You told him so 
And not even you. We told them so. Steelers Nation, I've been hearing you. You're the ones that are putting me on to this stuff sometimes. Tell them we told you so when people, when T.J. Watt continues to dominate. Let's make that a thing. We told you so. I'm going to bring that up back on the show. We told you so about T.J. Watt, about Minka Fitzpatrick, about how great this defense is. Let's make that a thing, y'all. We told you so. That's going to be my theme. I'm going to keep bringing that up on this Don't Get Me Started. We told you so, and y'all got me started. And this has been Don't Get Me Started here on the DK Steelers Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the DK Steelers Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please rate us five stars and leave a positive comment on Apple Podcasts. It really will help out the show. Get the word out there what we're doing. Let them know that you love the Steelers show. Let, you know that you love, let them know that you love all our shows. We got a pirate show. We got D- DK's Daily Shot. We got Noah with his Down Memory Lane show. There's so much great stuff here. So much, so much of a great staff that I work with. Blessed to be here. Love to be here. And I love, I'll, I'll love to be back in your ears tomorrow if you're tuning in with us here on the DK Steelers podcast.